1: For boosted parlays to live in-game offs on every major sport, WinBet gives you the tools to win. Sign up today for your risk-free $1,000 sports bet. Download the WinBet app now or visit winbet.com. That's W-H-N-N-Bet.com to start winning.
2: Welcome back. It's the Big Blue Banter, New York Giants football podcast. I'm Dan Schneier. Joined as always my co-host Nick Vallotto. Today, we're here to talk about the All-22 Coaches film. We will do a little Coaches film stuff. I mean, that is the Big Blue Banter in a nutshell, but not all. I mean, we do a lot on here, and we both discussed off-pod. We've obviously done this for a few weeks now. Breaking down every play and going drive-by-drive in a game like that one where the Giants are just— It is the single worst game I've seen by the Giants in my fandom's history. I've decided that this week. I've probably seen some worse games where they got shut out. I believe there was a couple Eli Manning shutouts. None were worse than that. It was hopeless. It was hapless. The there there were screens where guys weren't getting out and blocking. There was just everything looked wrong about that game. To me, if I like when I went back and watched the film this week, I didn't see a team playing playing that well. Uh, I'll be honest. It didn't feel like they were really into that game. And the result is speaks for itself. I mean, the Giants. We're not in the game. The Giants actually saw a stat today. I think it was the lowest yards per play they've averaged maybe ever. I think it was either that or since 99. It was one of those two things. So we'll talk a little bit about that. We'll get to some plays. We'll get to some concepts in a bit. But first, I wanted to touch on some of the GM rumors, some of the GM news, all the general manager front stuff, because there's been a lot of talk lately on that front. So I want to start, Nick, with uh, diving. Well, I also want to start by diving into this NJ.com article that talks a little bit about the Mara family and kind of how Giants ownership has been. So we'll start with something that I took away from this article that I thought was interesting. Um A former Giants scout told NJ Advanced Media, now again, Nick, <laughs> as far as these scouts go and things like this, you got to take it with a grain of salt. Obviously, if it's a former scout, he might be a little bit, but hurt by you know being fired from this team and fired from this franchise. It could even be the Steve Viterosa guy who's going around Twitter right now in his classic Corvette, driving around USA and just chilling, having a good time. Could be him. I don't know. But this this scout told this former Giants longtime scout told them John is not like his dad, where Wellington would listen. He would dictate. John would dictate. I think John dictates. Wellington was never like that. I think these guys, John and Chris Mare, have been involved literally their whole life, so they have their own answers for everything. They've done things the Giants way, quote-unquote, and it might not be a bad idea to bring somebody in. So what are your thoughts on that quote to start things off?
1: I mean, I, I can't really glean any information from that quote because I don't know John Mara personally but it comes from somebody who like you said could be jaded because they were fired but I wouldn't be shocked if that were the case I mean it kind of makes sense from the outside looking in John Mara, Chris mara they've been around the Giants their entire life their father was Wellington Mara, who purchased this team many many moons ago and they were raised in the family business and doing that they probably think they knew how to run the organization and knew the optimal ways for maximizing success. They saw, I saw what George Young did way back in the day. They were raised during that time. You know, they started entering adulthood and early adulthood around that time and everything. So I think it makes sense. But like, again, I I can't really give any information on that because I don't know crap about John Mara personally.
2: Yeah, that's fair. I think what's interesting, uh, the key takeaways I had from that and just kind of overall was kind of this discussion of, you know, these family members, Chris Mara and Tim McDonald's nephew. And obviously, uh, another family member they're holding prominent roles within this organization it makes it a lot tougher in that sense to kind of fire them it makes it a lot tougher for i would think if you have your family members within the organization holding prominent roles um it's hard to kind of i don't know i guess i would say differentiate if they're doing a good job and what do you do if the, if you feel like they're struggling i mean there's another thing i took away from this article where they're like look when evaluating the state of the franchise, Maris leaned on out trusted advisors. He hasn't gone outside the organization. Ernie Acorsi he brought in for the last GM search, apparently, he was 80 years old. He was out of the NFL since 06, right? Bill Polian, 79. This is Bill Polian, the same guy who said Saquon Barkley deserved to be the number one pick in the 2018 draft. The same guy who said Lamar Jackson needs to convert to receiver. Like, this is not someone you want to be taking information from and basing your decisions on by any means. And no disrespect to Bill Polian, Back in the day, he was one of the best football minds ever, literally, in the old game. But the old game ain't the new game. The old game is the re- is part of the reason why the Giants are in this position they are right now. They believed in running the football. They took a running back at two. They took massive amounts of interior defensive linemen to stop the run. You know, all these old school ways of trying to win haven't worked. And I believe it's time to kind of look outside the organization, Nick, which kind of leads me to my next point. We don't have to go too much further on this hit piece, but it leads me to my next point. Uh, Peter King said he believes – The Giants will, in fact, look outside the organization for their next general manager. I'll ask you two things with that. One, do you think that's the right decision, Nick? And two, do you think that will actually happen? Absolutely.
1: I think it's the right decision. I mean, how long can you continue doing things one way and continue losing and losing and losing? It's been just about a decade of mediocre football up until this point. So they really have to look outside the organization to find the next general manager.
2: Yeah. Yeah. I think I'm with you on that. And I'll say this. I'm with Peter King here, Nick. I think he's on to something. I know a lot of people will be skeptical of this. I'm sure I get it. But I think Mary feels the fan uh, fan pressure. I think he hears the fan pressure. And I think he will look outside the organization for this next general manager, whether who that might be. Well, that leads me to my next uh, point of discussion as far as who that might be. I like what, now this is going to be tough, Nick, but the highest upside hire for me would be the same guy Albert Breer talked about today. Albert Breer said that he thinks the Giants should roll out the Brinks trucks and in, in in fewer words than that uh, and less words than that and hire Will McClay over from the Cowboys, throw him the bag as the kids would say nowadays. And I couldn't agree more with that because there is no better option for the giants right now. General manager wise, in my mind than Will McClay, Will McClay came in and saved the Cowboys franchise. They were dealing with years of ineptitude there. They had traded multiple first-round picks for wide receiver Roy Williams. Jerry Jones was running a horrific show there, taking control. And some people, you know, what people accuse John Mara of right now, Nick, Jerry Jones was doing, and he was dragging the Cowboys into the dirt. McClay comes in. Immediately, they build one of the best, strongest offensive lines in football with depth, with talent up top. He rebuilds the defense this offseason in one offseason. Who does that? Who the hell does that? One draft class, one free agency with limited cap space because they had spent up, and he finds a way to do it. And so this is a guy who I think is a great pull on the NFL right now. I would pay any amount of money for Will McClay.
1: Yeah, I like that call, definitely. I think you can even try to, if you do land Will McClay, bring someone like Lionel Vitel, who is the director of college scouting, over as well. I met that guy down in Mobile a couple of times. He's a really, really nice guy. And uh, I think he's somebody, obviously, being the director of college scouting, who's done a good job for the Dallas Cowboys. You look at that roster, you look what they did with their defense now up until this point. You see the offensive line. Those are all elements that I would like to see on the New York Giants. So going to a divisional rival and trying to hire you know, pieces of their front office is not a bad strategy whatsoever. Also, if these guys are as good as advertised, then you're taking them away from a team like the Cowboys, which you know, was another win right there.
2: Yeah, it's the win-win. You take them away from the Cowboys. I don't know how realistic that is. I think Jerry Jones would pay any price to make sure that doesn't happen, if I'm going to be completely honest. But these are the GM rumors right now. I got one more other thing I want to talk about. Uh, apparently, there's a Giants Twitter account going around that claims to be an insider. I want to throw these three things out at you, Nick, and see if you have any thoughts on them. Uh, and I just think it's funny, too. Duh. Is it Steinberg? No, it's not West Steinberg, actually. It's Jint's 86 life.
1: Okay, I don't think I know that one.
2: <laughs> yeah, so a lot of people are giving that. It's starting to pick up steam. So he says, one, Joe Judge and Jones will be back, but Jones will not be on the active roster next year, whatever that means. I guess it means the injury would be too tough for him to overcome. And I think they have been pretty weird about the injuries. That one's interesting. He says a- Abrams is the is the next GM, and he says he's already really the current GM. Whatever that means. And then he says, Joe Judge loves Pickett, but he remains to be seen if Marrow will allow them to draft Pickett in round one. I think it's so funny because it's like, really, Joe Judge has time to spend watching Pickett film in the middle of a season where he's trying to get his team to win any game possible. So it's not as embarrassing for him. I highly, I remain highly skeptical of a report like this that says a coach loves Pickett. Like, if this came in the offseason around March or April, I'd believe it. Like Joe Judge might have time to watch Pickett. There's no shot he has time to watch Pickett film right now, right?
1: Yeah, no, he's not over there watching film. He's preparing to win on Sunday, which he has not done a great job of doing.
2: Yeah, aside from the fact that he hasn't done a great job of that, uh, let's just say this. I don't think he has time for that. So just a few interesting rumors. We'll we'll discuss rumors and hot stove giant stuff as the season goes on. This offseason goes on as well. I think it's more important right now, more interesting to be to be quite frank than some of the film we've watched. But we do watch the film. We have watched the film. Let's get into that right now, Nick. It's going to be a ugly, ugly podcast for uh, for the film watchers. I hate to say it. I want to start on the offensive side of the ball, Nick. I mean, I look at this game. It was ugly. I had a garbage time TD. Got to count it. Um, was the best player on the field. Who would you say the best player on the field was? I would say in this game for me, I'm curious your take. It was Devontae Booker.
1: What's going on everyone? Football is finally back and there's no need to exhaust yourself searching all over the internet to find Giants tickets anymore because TickPick, that's T-I-C-K-P-I-C-K, is the original no-fee ticket site and the only one you'll ever need as you go to find NFL tickets. TickPick got rid of all those awful service fees that other ticket sites charge. Aren't those terrible? Which lets them guarantee the best prices on all of their NFL tickets. Don't believe it? If you can find better prices for the same seats on another ticket site, TickPick will give you 110% of the difference in the purchase price. That's a pretty good deal. If you just want to go check out the Giants, you know, pregame, hopefully they win a football game, then please head on over to TickPick.com today to save $10 on your first order of Giants tickets. That's TickPick.com. Check it out, everyone. Yeah, I think Devontae Booker was solid in this game. I, I don't know if I have a best player on film for the offense. Like, I thought Andrew Thomas was good, but he was beaten around the edge at least two or three times yeah. in this game as well. So I, I don't necessarily have one. I guess I would say Booker. He hits the hole hard, and he finds it sometimes when, say, Juan Barkley wouldn't. But I didn't really come away from this game like, oh, man, Devontae Booker had an excellent game. I didn't necessarily think that. I just watched the offense and its totality, and I was like – this is disgusting. This is not a a good offense. Will Hernandez is out here missing blocks. Again, Darius Slayton like, drop another pass. Darius Slayton not executing a block to help out a screen. Like why can't everybody understand what their assignment is during a play? It seems like the giants always struggle with that. It always comes on like a third down situation. And that to, to me, that is just another indictment of the coaching staff when players aren't necessarily on the same page, What what, with what looks like what the play is supposed to be like somebody just two guys going to block one guy nobody going to block another when that's definitely not just the unblocked individual like as the end man on the line of scrimmage on one of those touch passes that we see and we saw that a couple times on screens in this game and these plays end up getting blown up and i I hate seeing just bad football like that and i just feel like all season on the offensive side it's been like that
2: yeah you're right and I mean, I was saying relatively speaking, as far as Booker goes, he was the best player on film, but that's not saying much. This was the worst offensive film I've ever watched by the New York Giants. And the worst I've seen of any offense in the history of me watching film. I mean, you can even make the case the Seahawks offense was better last year against the Giants, and they were shut down for most of the game, but they made some plays. And it's like you said, man, we talked about this with Carl Banks and Bob Papa last week. When it comes down when when you're when there's examples of what you just said. Uh, you know, poor blocking. There was a, there was an example of two receivers running routes right at each other that that broken over the same depth. When you see all these miscues and all these, you know, unfortunate series of events that look to me like lack of preparation, lack of practicing, and timing, and all sorts of things like that. You're right; the blame belongs on the coaching. And this is a coaching staff that's going to come back next year. And it's just it is a bit mind boggling in in a lot of ways because of things like that. But You know what? It is what it is. I wanted to get your take on uh, Corey Cunningham, who ended up coming in and having to play 67 snaps in this game after Matt Pert went down. Is there anything you saw from Cunningham's tape that gives you any hope? Because, again, remember, as we roll into this next offseason, Nick, I'm scared as hell about the offensive tackle position. Why? Because I'm a big believer in swing tackle being an insanely important position. I think swing tackle is more important than, like, I don't know, your second inside backer for example, and a lot of other positions that some people might think are starting positions that I would rather have a really good swing tackle at. And they don't have a starting right tackle for next year at this time. And they don't have a swing tackle in place yet. And Matt Parrott tours ACL. So he's not coming back anytime soon. They can't at all count on him with the torn ACL. He might be ready around week 10 next year if they're lucky. So was there anything good you took away from the film from cutting
1: I I don't believe he's the answer for a starter. Can he be a swing tackle? He's a young guy. Yeah, I I believe so. But he let up several pressures in this game, and he was getting beat quite often as well around the edge, sometimes just getting overpowered. So I didn't necessarily think his tape was excellent. And Now, I didn't focus on him on every single snap, so maybe there's a little bit more um, that I could do digging into that because I was watching the entire play and not just his reps, but I did see him get beat several times, which isn't something you necessarily want to see. And this is a good Eagles front, but this isn't an Eagles front that, you know, generates a lot of sacks. I believe they're in the bottom five of sacks heading into this game. So, you know, as for next season, I would really hope the Giants would not be relying on someone like Corey Cunningham, maybe not even for that swing tackle position, unless he develops.
2: Yeah, that's fair. I thought he looked, looked decent out there. I I I'm not my ideal pick I would say like you said for the swing tackle position. But having said that, they need to come up with some creative solutions. I mean, Wes Martin played in this game 28 snaps at left guard. That obviously wasn't ideal. I don't think I think we both kind of agree he's not the answer most likely as well there. Um anything on Martin?
1: No. I mean, Wes Martin again. Him, Matt Skurrb, Corey Cunningham, these aren't guys you necessarily want to rely on outside of being developmental pieces. That's all you want to rely on these guys. I mean, West Martin came in, and I was trying to kind of bounce it around in my head while watching just garbage time tape against very soft defenses, because Philadelphia wasn't really bringing the heat like Dallas when uh, when Jake Fromm uh, faced up against them. And I was like, is West Martin better than Matt Skura? I mean, he's maybe not getting beat as much in pass protection, but is he going up against a defense that is trying as hard? And I'm just like, I probably not either way. I don't believe either of these guys should have to be asked to be on this roster next year, at least hopefully not.
2: Fair enough. I think I'm with you on that one. Um, I thought it was a regressive a, a game of regression for Billy price. I thought, you know, he built not much, but he had showed some flashes in recent weeks and just ultimately was not good in this game. Anything else uh, that you, that I missed on the offensive line?
1: So the offensive line, I mean, Price, I didn't think it was a terrible game from Billy Price. I mean,
2: Will Hernandez...
1: I thought there was one play in the third quarter. I think it was 520 quarter or third drive, 520 quarter one, where he pulled backside guard pull, I formation type run, picked up four yards. He kicked out an unblocked guy and it looked really good. And that's what we got excited about from Will Hernandez, right? Coming into this season, what's his ability to pull? The power gap scheme. We hear Jason Garrett's coming over. He's going to implement that with Mark Colombo. We got all excited. And Will Hernandez never really lived up to it, got COVID. And that season 2020 got shut down for him. And he ended up getting benched ultimately for Shane Lemieux. But you still see it this year, the pulling that he does. But, man, bro, he still has just those just, just terrible mistakes. But I got to say, man, on the first drive, he picked up a stunt. I didn't think it was possible. But on the third and 13, man, incomplete pass to Darius Slayton, he picked up the stunt. Matt Parrott got beat terribly around the edge. But you can see the looper, the linebacker, coming up and you watch how uh, Will Hernandez just makes contact and throws the guy right into Devontae Booker or Saquon Barkley, and then Jake Fromm throws the football, and it just gets knocked down because of Matt Perrick getting beat. But that's one thing. Uh, Will Hernandez doing something – he hasn't done all season picking up a pretty well executed stunt. <laughs> from the Philadelphia Eagles,
2: isn't it so fun? The bar we've set now, like we're we're impressed with, and we're talking about somebody picking up a stunt. Like that's that's where we've gotten to right now with this Giants team. But it is what it is, I guess, because it is good to see him pick up a stunt. It's not something we've seen. I noticed something in your notes, and it was a play that I also had circled. Third and four on the fourth drive. This was with one twenty-four. Or this drive started with one twenty-four in the in the first quarter. It was a really nice play design to pick uh, on this third and four. Did you want to break that down? Yeah, so third and four, we have Jake Fromm in the shotgun
1: with, I believe it's Saquon Barkley who motions from his left to his right into a quads formation, a reduced bunch. That's about one yard off that hash. And then he motions Saquon Barkley right off of the bunch. So you have four receivers on that side, which is a field side, and then a reduced split wide receiver to the backside here. And I like this play because you have four receivers releasing. You release two of them inside. So you're creating a lot of traffic against the Philadelphia Eagles. The two outside guys release inside and then the two inside guys release outside. One of them going vertical and you get Saquon Barkley releasing as the fourth guy. So he's behind everybody into the flat. There's nobody in the flat at this point from the Philadelphia Eagles. And that's because of the play design. And I saw this play twice or similar play from this quad type of formation that happens right before the snap to the field there's just way too much space to cover and for Philadelphia when they're aligned in man coverage which they were on this play there's no way that that linebacker can get through all that traffic those two inside routes going across the middle to get to Saquon Barkley so he just splits out wide there and makes a catch actually it's Devontae Booker on the grab but still either way I like the fact that they're incorporating these easier routes against man coverage so Jake Fromm can deliver the ball to him and he Jake Fromm was able to deliver the ball on this play, which was good because I'm not going to lie, man. Jake Fromm had some terrible mechanics in the pocket throughout this game. He missed a lot of throws because his feet and his eyes and his shoulders were not in sync, and he just tried throwing the football, and it just went into the dirt. The throw on the second and five on the second drive to Kadarius Toney, it was a quick stick route. And if you watch the mechanics of Jake Fromm, his hips aren't oriented towards the throw. He overthrows Kadarius Toney, and he did that several times throughout this game. He just did not look good at all.
2: Yeah, Fromm didn't look good in this game. I think Fromm, we were a little surprised. I thought we, I, I mean, I was expecting more from Fromm. I don't know why. I guess it was stupid to expect more from a late round pick with no arm talent to speak of whatsoever. Who doesn't know the offense, didn't practice it during the preseason. You know, there were all the factors working against him. Logic told us this wouldn't work, but I think we were all just desperate for something good that we thought from could play well in this game. He did not. Um, so anything else you want to talk of from wise, uh, before we turn, I mean, we we could talk more from, I'll, I'll turn it over to you, Nick. You can, you can toss out things that you took away from the offensive side of the ball and I'll, and I'll riff off of that. And then I'll talk a little bit about the defensive things that stood out to me because offensively, like this is it for me. I don't, I don't have too much more. The offensive line was what really I was focusing on.
1: It didn't help that Jake Fromm had Will Hernandez getting people bullied right back into his lap on some of these throws, like the one 1240 left in the second quarter. It was a deep pass to Kenny Galladay that really should have been intercepted by Darius Likes. It was drastically underthrown, but it just doesn't look like Fromm. And we don't have to provide too much analysis on Fromm. It's not going to be here long term. But it just right. didn't seem like he had any really pocket awareness a lot of the times, especially when he knew where his target was where his target was and when he was going to be throwing the football because there were certain times where he couldn't step into his throw because there was someone in his back he didn't try to move or anything like that he was kind of just statuesque back there which isn't necessarily something you want and again like I said earlier the mechanics were just terrible on a lot of these plays so that's definitely something that I took away and I think that probably ultimately led to his benching that and the fact that the Giants offense just couldn't get anything going whatsoever.
2: And we're like a broken record every week talking about Will Hernandez struggles. I don't know if we're shining too much light on that right now. But I guess the more we talk about it and keep showing up on tape, I mean, the more the more it's happening and the more it should be obviously something we worry about, I guess. I don't I don't really know with Will Hernandez. I don't see any future there. So I think he's in a similar boat to from almost in a lot of ways. Uh, How about Kenny Galladay? I asked you this question a couple of weeks ago. Any buyer's remorse on Galladay?
1: No, I don't have any buyer's remorse on Galladay. The guy can't really do much when he has, you know, me or you throwing him the football on an offensive line that can't protect. So, you know, I'm not I'm not really all there on the on the Kenny Galladay. Hey, obviously he's getting paid a lot of money. He's not coming through right now, but there's not a lot of situations where you're like, oh man, Galladay should have made that play. You know, a lot of the times it's like, man, that would have been like a you know, a 95th percentile receiver would have made that play. And Galladay's not that, even though he's being paid similar to that kind of money. We all knew he wasn't going to be that. He's a very, very good wide receiver. He is a wide receiver one, but with the surrounding cast he has, he is not that right now.
2: Yeah, that's but, fair. I have a little bit of buyer's remorse only because it looks so bad right now, I guess. <laughs> I guess would be the the only reason for that, but... I do think it could look better with better quarterback play and better functioning offense. Um, But, you know, uh, just a little bit of buyers and worse because I feel like I did fall in some ways back into the trap of buying into the idea of investing in a wide receiver, Um, spending a lot of cap space on a receiver. It's a skill position, a lot of injuries at the position. He's been injured already a bunch in his giants career, injured a lot before coming to the giants. And there's a lot of cap space allocated to him. Now I'm happy. It's only a three year deal in that sense, but a little bit of buyer's remorse, just because it is investing in receiver again, and and ultimately, like when your quarterback play is bad and your offensive line is bad, your receiver just doesn't do anything. Like we've had a full season's worth of nothing from Kenny Galladay, uh, and you know any of these skill players really. So, just a little bit, just a little bit of buyer's remorse for me.
1: I can understand that there was the uh, there was a play I wanted to touch on. It was twelve thirty three in the second quarter. Giants missed out on what possibly could have been a touchdown. And I know everybody that seems absolutely ridiculous that that statement is coming out of my mouth right now, but it does seem like Jake Fromm may have read this defense well, and Darius Slayton did not. And this also could just be the miscommunication between Fromm and Slayton being on the same page. And I'm not 100 certain if. If I'm correct here, but if you look at the defense on this play, it's a three by one set. Jake Fromm is in shotgun. He gets the he gets the ball. He goes into the mesh point on a zone read type of look, and could be an RPO, right? He looks at Darius Slayton, who is the outside receiver. the The man covering Slayton pre snap is executing a cut technique on the number three receiver, who is running to the flat, who is Evan Ingram. So that cornerback just abandons Darius Slayton, sees that Evan Ingram is running to the flat and he tries jumping it because that's his assignment there. But then you see Darius Slayton break into the open space with no one but a safety who is on that hash. So he has basically all the space between the numbers and the sideline to operate. Jake Fromm reads it and he throws it deep away from the safety. I think a pretty good read by Jake Fromm here, but Darius Slayton ends up running the slant, which might have been his route pre-snap, but maybe... Darius Slayton should read the defense here. And I'm not 100% certain. So, you know, I, I don't want to slam Slayton here, but maybe Slayton had it built into this play or just kind of being on the same page with Jake Fromm, as you see, like guys like Aaron Rodgers and Devontae Adams. Once you read the defense, you see the defense abandon a certain spot, you you go to where the open spot is. And Darius Slayton doesn't do that here. But if Darius Slayton runs towards the sideline here, he gets away from that safety easily. And this is a touchdown.
2: Yeah, that's another example of just a missed a missed opportunity for the Giants. It seems like we've had a bunch of those throughout the season. Um, Obviously it's not something you, you look forward to. It's not something you want, but it's something that's happened for this team a bunch. And it's part of why their offense is so inept. Anything else that stood out offensively to you? Saw Andrew Thomas
1: get beat pretty bad on a, on an arm over with 627 left in the second quarter. And I was like, oh, no, what is this? 2020 all over again. It was a loss of four. I think it was a handoff to Saquon Barkley, if I'm not mistaken. And I think it might have been Derek Barnett just hit him with a club arm over and beat him straight up inside. And it forced the third and 15, which the Giants just basically... Ran the ball. That was on the drive where the Giants came out with the halfback draw. Will Hernandez was beat terribly inside. Lost the one-on-one block. And then Andrew Thomas is beat on the inside by the arm over. Set it up that third and 15 run by Devontae Booker with the Giants punt. So three straight runs. This was uh, when we were like, oh, this Jake Fromm experience is not going all that well because the Giants are being very, very conservative at this moment. And I got to say, man, at that point in the game, and even at halftime, this was a 3-3 ball game. It doesn't seem like it. But the defense, and we'll get into them in a little bit, they were playing really well in this game, confusing Jalen Hurts, containing Jalen Hurts, not allowing Jalen Hurts to use his legs, and also not allowing Jalen Hurts to throw deep all that often. Now, they hit a couple big plays a little bit later in the game, but a lot of Jalen Hurts' passes were just quick, you know, get the football out of his hands, quick screens, everything like that. So it looked, you know, in the beginning of the game, like it was going to be one of those conservative defensive battles, but then the Eagles blew it up because the Giants' offense can't sustain any drives.
2: Yeah, unfortunately, you're right, though. It was, for a while, a somewhat, a pretty close game, like you said. So, super interesting stuff from that standpoint. I mean, look, they just couldn't figure out a way to get points on the board when they needed to. Um, what else on the offensive side of the ball stood out to you?
1: Yeah, there was the uh, fourth quarter play, 9.33 left. And there was nothing really too special on this play, but it was kind of a rip from Mike Glennon on a quick slant to Kenny Galladay through a tight window. And you know what? I watched it, and it was in garbage time, and the score was 34-3, to 3 and it didn't really matter, but I still said, you know what? There's at least one play that you could be like, there it is on film. That, that looked like a well-executed play by a competent offense. But as we all sadly know, this is not a competent offense, and even a blind squirrel can find a nut at times.
2: <laughs> yeah, exactly. One well-executed play in a full game is – it, it, it's just not enough, obviously. I mean, we don't need to be that. We're not, ex, we don't, you don't need experts to tell you that. You guys are seeing it with your own eyes. I, I got nothing else on the offense of any, of any interesting note. I mean, there's just so many guys on this offense that probably won't even be starting next year. It was, a, to me, as almost as meaningless of an offensive performance as we'll get from the Giants. I think it was the most meaningless game we've covered, unfortunately, on all 22, personally, on the offensive side of the ball. But on the defensive side of the ball, there's still a lot of players here who are going to be starters next year. Some you know, who have uh, contracts pushed back the next year, big contracts on the books, Bradbury, Ryan, obviously a didn't play, but he'll be here. And, you know, maybe some other guys who are going to be free agents who they might try to look to bring back as well. So anything else in the offense before we flip it to the defense side of the ball?
1: Now let's head on over to the defense. All right, defensive side of the ball.
2: So I'll say the first thing that stood out to me was Lorenzo Carter looked good in obviously the broadcast. We went over it on the recap, but also on film. Uh, ended up with three hurries here, a batted pass, a sack. Really had that, that burst back that he showed you know, earlier in his career and as a prospect that led to him being drafted uh, where the Giants took him. So was Carter somebody who stood out to you as well on film?
1: Oh, absolutely. Lorenzo Carter looked... Like a beast out there, man. Gets me excited, to be honest, because he's batting balls down. He's beating tackles. He's, you know, bending the edge. He's using explosiveness. There was one play, I think it was actually technically a sack, where he was rode up the arc by the offensive tackle, and the Jalen Hurts kind of tried to come underneath, and then he disengaged the tackle and then leaped and just uh, sacked Jalen Hurts and got him down. And just watching that explosiveness and that quick twitch kind of movement really made me excited, to be honest, because Lorenzo Carter is somebody I've always thought was going to break out, and he always had the athletic potential. We talk about it extensively on this podcast, but it never really materialized, and it seemed like it was the Keeley's injury happened. And now we're at the end of a meaningless season, but you still see this guy playing his heart out and trying to earn a, a contract from the Giants or someone else, but he looks good out there.
2: Yeah, he does look good out there. And you know what? I thought it was interesting to see Ellerson Smith again get some run, get some burn. On just four pass rushing snaps, he did find a way to get a a hit, a quarterback hit on one of four snaps. So that's obviously a good sign. That's something you want to see. Another couple hits for Dexter Lawrence I thought was interesting to see him. seems like he's playing some of his best football from a pass rushing standpoint in the second half and in recent weeks. So that stood out to me. And another big game from Jaron Williams, who ended up playing 61 snaps here for the Giants. And really, again, looks like he can hold his own out there. Looks like they found a player from nothing there. So I wanted to get your thoughts on those three players as well.
1: Yeah, so Dexter Lawrence, I I feel like he's having an underrated season. And now I I know a lot of people want him to rush the passer a little bit more. And I can say, yeah, but this is still a 346-pound Defensive lineman, and for the pressure that he does get, I still feel like it's pretty impressive how he's winning one-on-one matchups. He was in Jalen Hurts' face several times in this game. I thought Jaron Williams; he's somebody who's definitely earning a role on this roster for next season. Maybe as a third cornerback, possibly. Now that kind of excludes Aaron Robinson, who is more of a hybrid type of cornerback who's going to align a lot of different places. But I'm talking about a third cornerback on the outside behind Dory Jackson. And James Bradbury, he'd be fighting for that role with, you could say, Aaron Robinson, but even Rodarius Williams, who's presumably going to be back next season. Darnay Holmes, who, you know, isn't necessarily somebody who's an outside type of cornerback, but someone you expect to be on the roster next year. But Jerome Williams, really like what I'm seeing from him because he's just kind of sticky in man coverage, dude. He, he's not getting beat all that often, and he's willing to make the tackles and run support despite the uh, holding penalty that he caused on that Dallas Goddard nullified touchdown, where it did seem like a little bit it was acting and he didn't want to get into Goddard's way but I've seen him blow his head and deliver the boom plenty of times so I'm not going to question Jerron Williams toughness and Ellerson Smith man again very very quick man I love the fact that he can just slant inside and kind of put stress on offensive guards whenever the Giants decide to line them at a two eye or whatever two technique three technique some of the times when when it's a pass rushing type of situation. I'm excited about Ellerson Smith. I mean, he hasn't done anything too groundbreaking at this point, but I do like his movement skills, his length, overall athletic ability. And I did a piece on big blue view about three weeks ago with a limited amount of snaps, but I I went over a lot of the reasons why I was excited about him. So you can go check that out as
2: well. Yeah, definitely check that out. Give, give Nick some love on big blue view. We need it. We giants content creators need it at this stage. We'll take anything we can get. Um, all right. One other thing I wanted to take a uh, talk about, just kind of a general observation before we can get into some plays, and I'll turn it over to you. I thought the second level Giants defenders, specifically in this game, struggled, and I thought the Eagles took advantage of them both in the run game and in the pass game. Now that that would be Jalen Smith coming off what we thought was you know a nice debut. I thought he wasn't as good in this game. I thought he was specifically poor against the run. And just in general, I didn't think he looked the same out there. He didn't look as good. Even, you know, 32 snaps for Quincy Roche wasn't his best game. It certainly wasn't Aziz Ojolari's best game. He finished with just one total quarterback hurry on 26 pass rushing snaps, zero hits, zero sacks. Um, Did you notice kind of the Eagles having the advantage there as well?
1: In terms of the second level defenders absolutely Jalen Smith and Tay route are kind of run around with their heads cut off trying to guess way too often which is something Carl Banks said on the podcast and it's very evident on the film as well and I really appreciate Jalen Smith's athletic ability and even his aggressiveness now sometimes he guesses wrong he shoots a gap and it puts the back end of the defense in a compromised situation to where someone like Xavier McKinney has to fly up and make a sound tackle in a very you know difficult manner because he you know is susceptible to an athlete in space and that guy can juke him out but Xavier McKinney is pretty solid in those situations. He's a really, really good tackling safety. But Jalen Smith will put those safeties in that position because of his aggressiveness. But then he'll make those plays because of his aggressiveness. And I also like how Patrick Graham was using him as a spy on Jalen Hurts for a lot of this game. He also used Xavier McKinney to kind of defend the RPOs. They would rotate him down to where on the zone reach Jalen Hurts would be running. Xavier McKinney would be right in that position to where he didn't hand the football while Hurts would try to tuck it and Xavier McKinney was right there to stop him. I thought Patrick Graham really did a good job containing Jalen Hurts with what he was doing on the defensive side and that was safety rotating down to that area and then having sometimes on one specific play he had the entire defensive line slant inside and it looked like hey everyone's slanting inside I can tuck this ball out and then you saw Jalen Hurts tuck it. Thought he could run for a bunch of yards. And McKinney was right there to make a tackle for like a one yard gain. So you love to see that creative implementation of the safeties to stop the run game, especially a really, really potent rushing attack like the like the Philadelphia Eagles. Now I didn't see the trap and wham blocks from the Eagles as as often as I saw in those in the first matchup. I saw a lot of power gap, a lot of double pullers, a lot of zone read. But as I said earlier, I thought the Giants did a really good job containing it. And yeah, Zizo Jolari, you know, he had a couple. Reps on film that really stuck out to me, though, man, where he where he was just shed Dallas Goddard and like threw him to the side and just stuck the running back and made a tackle or just got in the way to force and box the running back back inside, even though he may not have uh, tested as well per pro football focus. I didn't think this was necessarily a bad game from Azizo Odilari.
2: I don't think it was a bad game from him from a run defense standpoint. I just didn't think he did much as a pass rusher film wise or pro football, like either way, I just, he didn't make much of an impact, but again, it was partially game plan specific, Like you said, like it was a good game plan to stop Jalen Hurts. They stopped him for almost the entire, you know, you know, a full half, like they shut down this offense. They adjusted some of the things the Eagles did well in the first matchup. And that's two games in a row. I mean, like, obviously the final score is they gave up a ton of points here, but 34, but you know, some of that is partially because of their offense and because of the turnovers by the quarterback, the interception, like, this goes into it, you know, this factors in again on like on, on the final score for this defense, where this is just another week where it looks bad at the end, but I'm not so sure it was actually as bad as it looks.
1: Now. Yes. And I also thought this was a similar game plan that Patrick Graham used just like it was in the first game where the giants defeated Philadelphia 13 to seven. And that was, Hey, Force Jalen Hurts to throw the football. They would load the box, rotate that safety down, you know, uh, play the run off the RPO to force the throw, and then trust the one on one matchups they would have on the outside. That was kind of the game plan there. Look, we're going to play the run. We're going to stop Boston Scott. We're going to stop Miles Sanders. We're going to stop Jordan Howard. We're going to stop Jalen Hurts. Make Jalen Hurts throw the football. And, you know, a lot of people kind of came out and they did it in the first game as well, where they were like, why isn't Nick Sirianni, you know, just running the football? Well, what's up with that? And it's, it's their RPOs. And when the defense shows, hey, you could pass the football here. You have the the matchup you want—that one-on-one matchup, Devonta Smith against no, number one, or or Quez Watkins against this guy. Then Jalen Hurts going to throw the football, and that's one of the reasons why is because the Giants are scheming to take away the run.
2: Yeah, and that, they did a great job of it. I mean, this is a good game plan by Patrick Graham and good execution. It's so interesting to me how night and day the execution, the timing, the preparedness uh, on the defensive side of the ball for the Giants versus on the offensive side of the ball. Like, yeah, part of the problem is the quarterback injury, injuries, I should say. Um, it's part of it. But, man, oh, man, it's not everything. And it just looks so different. It looks like two these two units don't look anything alike.
1: No, they don't. And we also saw something we've been seeing a lot recently as well, and we saw it a little bit in the first matchup. And that is Logan Ryan as the blitzer from the nickel. The Giants were not scared to bring pressure in this game, sending five at at Jalen Hurts. There were times where they sent six at Jalen Hurts and then bailed Tay Crowder back into coverage just to try and mess with the protection of the Philadelphia Eagles. But the offensive line is just good, man. Like Aziz Ojolari, one reason why he only had one pressure is because he's going up against Lane Johnson, one of the best right tackles in this game. And despite that, I still thought he had some impact plays uh, against the run and everything like that. And that's just a tough matchup. And we we talked about it after the first matchup too. As Ezekiel was basically shut down. I think he actually had like a sack in that game, or or maybe it was like three pressures. But when you watch the film, you're just like, ah, oh, he's stonewalled there. He can't, you know, consistently beat someone like Lane Johnson. Nor should he at this point of his career.
2: Yeah, you're right. I mean, Lane Johnson's one of the best tackles in the NFL, so that doesn't surprise me by any means. Um, all right, let's see what else on the defense stood out to you, Nick.
1: So, yeah, the third play of the game was an interception, which is awesome to see because, you know, the Giants offense needs as much help as they can get. And this was a third and four play. So the Giants typically all season in any of these situations, they run man coverage. And that's exactly what they do in this situation. They run man. And when you run man coverage, that means you're susceptible to the quarterback run. So in order to combat that, the Giants put Jalen Smith as a quarterback spy. They kind of sugar him into a three technique position in a two point stance. So it's like a three tech one, one yard off the line of scrimmage. And he drops out. He acts like he's going to blitz. And then he drops out and he just quarterback spies man coverage everywhere else with two safeties over the top with Logan Ryan paying specific attention to Devonta Smith. You can tell by watching this tape, that the Giants really respect Devonta Smith and Joe judge Patrick Rams respect Devonta Smith because they put James Bradbury on him quite often and they double team him quite often as well they did the same thing that Dallas Goddard but not on this specific play they just had Parker on Dallas Goddard and that's who comes away with the interception because the Giants you know they get a little bit of pressure here Jalen Hurts steps up into the pocket then he maneuvers around Aziz Ojolari who crashes inside a little bit but this was while the play was kind of broken down and he's extemporizing Jalen Hurts that is but as that happens as that happens, Jalen Hurts rolls to his right and Jalen Smith just darts to him. And you can see the just incredible athletic ability of Jalen Smith to close with on Hurts. And Hurts tries to do a little bit too much and he throws an interception right to Stephen Parker who kind of undercuts Dallas Goddard's route. This is well executed defense here, man. Patrick Ram had contingencies in place for everything and they're just running simple man coverage too high. Eliminate Devonta Smith. Try to get Jalen Hurts to or try to get him contained and don't allow him to use his legs against man coverage and force him to throw the football into a precarious spot, which is exactly what he did.
2: Yep. You nailed that. I mean, there seems like a game plan that featured a lot of really good, uh, I don't want to say like specific calls, but there were, it definitely felt to me like they had a good grasp of what the Eagles wanted to do, what they wanted to accomplish, what they got done last game against the giants. You know, it wasn't much, but some of, some of the things they got done last game and different ways to attack it. Um, what else? I guess. What else would you take away from the defense?
1: Yeah. So the second and ten. This was uh, the first quarter. Three twelve left. This is a a well executed play by Lorenzo Carter. But the play still went for 15 yards. This is one of those plays where you're like, oh, "Geez, the Giants can't do anything right in these situations." But if you watch this play, Jalen Smith, this is one of those things where he's a little bit over aggressive because he overplays the play, and it's this play is just a simple power gap. They're going to pull the backside guard and the backside tackle here, so you're going to have the three technique have a double team with Jordan Mailata to the play side. And then the guard to that side, which is Landon Dickerson. So they eliminate Leonard Williams doing that. So Lorenzo Carter reads this and he executes his rules. When you see the tackle step down, you know, it's going to more than likely be a power gap play. You're going to have a backside guard and H back sniffer, whatever kind of coming around to take you out H back and sniffer are the same thing. And that's exactly what he does. So what he has to do is kind of keep everything tight to Jordan Mailata. So he shoots inside and then he just, absolutely annihilates Lane Johnson. Miles Sanders gets the ball and there's nowhere for Miles Sanders to go. And Jalen Smith is not the contained defender here. And he acts as if he is because Julian Love is a contained defender. And He runs into Dallas Goddard and he kind of sets the edge on Goddard. Jalen Smith goes all the way around to kind of get around J- Julian Love, which creates a wide open rushing lane, right? Kind of outside of Lorenzo Carter and inside of Julian Love. So Jalen Smith just kind of was out of position here. And this is something that We see a lot with these giant linebackers, man. And I think Blake Martinez is wildly underappreciated by giant fans and and by the NFL, to be honest, because plays like this just didn't happen with with Blake Martinez. He was always in position. And I, like I said, I like Jalen Smith for who he is, but he was out of position quite a bit in this game. And this was one of them right here. Well executed play by Lorenzo Carter ends up going for 15. That should not happen when the blockers are blown up like that.
2: Yeah, I mean, it's not just Jalen Smith. I thought Tay Crowder was bad in this game as well. Tate Crowder's not been the answer. He's not the answer. Like, they need to upgrade this position, regardless of if Blake Martinez comes back. You're right. Like, Blake Martinez, with him out, it's not the same defense by any means. And they've still done pretty well despite despite it. But they need to figure out something at inside back, I would say. Um, this is just another example of that. Um, I guess, what else? what else did you want to touch on with this defense?
1: I love the fact that they batted, like, three balls out of the air which is awesome. I mean, Leonard had one, mm. Lorenzo Carter had one. Somebody else had one. It might have been Aziz Ojalari, but I'm not exactly 100% sure, but I know those two had one. And then I'm just looking right now, Ryan accepted.
2: had Ryan had the other.
1: Logan Ryan, yes, Logan Ryan to right on, on a blitz. There was a the, uh, first quarter, 142 left, second and 17. The Giants decided to run man coverage with a simulated pressure of six guys. I alluded to this a little bit before. And this was to kind of manipulate the protection of the Philadelphia Eagles. And they send six, but then take crowder bound bounces off while in man coverage. So like we said earlier, man coverage susceptible to running quarterbacks, he bounces off and then he just plays quarterback spy on Jalen Hurts. This pass ends up being incomplete because of the pressure put on by the Giants, uh five man pressure package that was six man, you know, at the snap. And mainly because Dexter Lawrence just absolutely runs through the right guard, bro. He just powers and rips right through the outside shoulder and delivers a huge hit on Jalen Hurts, man. Dexter Lawrence cares, dude. I don't know if if you saw in the film with the Lane Johnson touchdown. If you looked at Dexter Lawrence after that touchdown pass was thrown... Dexter Lawrence, who's in the backfield, he was just about to put a hit on Jalen Hurts. He throws his hands up in the air and then kind of like collapses and puts his hands on his helmet in just pure frustration and just like agony almost. You can tell he's out there being a true competitor every single snap. And that that touchdown to Lane Johnson pissed him off some.
2: Yeah, you're right. He I mean he definitely has has the fight that they that they want. Um, obviously. Yeah, you could see it on that play. Um yeah, I mean, if you have other plays you want to break down, uh, go for it. The, the floor is yours, Nick. I don't have too much more to add to that Lawrence thing. Like, yeah, it's definitely good to see, you know, these players want it. But uh, obviously you want, you, you want the productions too as well, I guess I would say. But I, I got nothing to add on that front.
1: Yeah, so there's a second and 10. This was the big play to Devonta Smith that went for 46 yards. Like we said, the Giants did a good job initially kind of containing Jalen Hurts, but they hit this big play the uh, 46 yards to Devonta Smith. And then they hit another one a little bit later with uh Julian Love down the field. But I really like this play design from the Philadelphia Eagles because all game up until this point, the second quarter, 446 left in the quarter, the Giants were running when they were in zone coverage. They were running cover four, cover six. They were running a lot of those types of concepts. So the Eagles come out in a two by two set shotgun with the running back offset to the field. And they're going to run to the boundary side a double vertical route with Dallas Goddard, who's the number two receiver, and then Devonta Smith, who's on James Bradbury. So Dallas Goddard is going to release off the line of scrimmage. It's an obvious zone look. So Philadelphia knows pre-snap. This is going to be a zone coverage. It's going to be a cover four. So what they need to do is they need to get the... Play side safety Julian Love away from James Bradbury and isolate Devonta Smith against James Bradbury. And that's exactly what they do. Dallas Goddard kind of runs a deep over route right in front of Julian Love, and Julian Love reacts, collapsing right on Dallas Goddard. That's what he's supposed to do, but that isolates Devonta Smith against James Bradbury. Devonta Smith, who's about two yards off the numbers, he explodes up the field, releases outside at about 10 yards, and then just kind of turns on the red line and turns on the Jets. And he gets about two yards of separation on James Bradbury, gets down the football field. Field. The throw is a little bit underthrown and inside, but Devonta Smith just makes an amazing adjustment to the football and kind of gets in front of James Bradbury to make this catch. But this was well-schemed by Nick Sirianni and that coaching staff because they knew they had to get Julian Love away from Devonta Smith and isolate him against James Bradbury on this deep route and Bradbury lost. Bradbury hasn't been great with these deep routes. I don't think he's a liability in that sense because it doesn't happen all that often, but we've seen it enough this season. We saw it here. We saw it against CeeDee Lamb. We've seen it a couple other times as well. And this is, I just kind of want to applaud the Philadelphia coaching staff for kind of knowing the coverage and then drawing up the right play because of everything that Patrick Graham showed in these similar second and 10 type of situations throughout the game.
2: Yeah, it was a good job by the Eagles there. And obviously Bradbury actually thought had one of his better games uh for this season. This season hasn't been as good as the last one, but he still has a ton of past uh passes defensed. He's 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 racked those up throughout his two-year Giants career. So still, you know, a player with maybe one weakness, you know, but overall still an asset I think that the Giants can count on. They'll have to because they've pushed back his cap it. So hopefully continue to play at a pretty high level.
1: Absolutely. And then not long uh, not too much longer with the first and 10, it was the next play. left in the second quarter. And this is kind of what I was talking about with Xavier McKinney a little bit earlier. You have, they're down on the, what? I think it's the 14-yard line. You have a tight end to the boundary side here, and everybody slants inside hard to kind of account for the zone read to go after Jordan Howard. And we know the Eagles like to run Jalen Hurts a lot in these situations near the goal line. So Jalen Hurts sees everybody bite inside, sees Julian Love, who's on the line of scrimmage, bite inside. But then you have Xavier McKinney kind of come down deep right before the snap and replace Julian Love. And Jalen Hurts thinks he has like an easy touchdown here, but McKinney plays it very, very well. And you could see, man, McKinney just stays square to Jalen Hurts the entire time and rides him along the line of scrimmage. Hurts just tries to get lateral, 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 and it just doesn't work. And McKinney just tackles him for a one-yard gain. That is a difficult play for a safety right there. That is a lot of trust in a safety right there against an athlete like Jalen Hurts. And he plays it so well against his former college teammate.
2: Yeah, another
1: good example of that.
2: Okay, Nick, anything else on the defensive side of the ball that you wanted to touch on?
1: I mean, there were, I feel like the Giants defense probably isn't as bad as I expected kind of heading into this. I felt like they were very competitive. They kept this a game up until the second half when Jake Fromm took the opening kickoff and threw an interception, putting the defense into a bad situation. And it's just, it's gotta be frustrating to be a defender on this team because you know the offense isn't going to do anything for you and if you're going to win a football game you have to win it like you know 15 to like 13 or, or something just gross because there's a bunch of field goals you know Graham Gano is going to get his workout in that day that type yeah. of win and you could see that there's a lot of frustration there from these defenders but I felt like there was a lot of good football and good game planning early in this game and then the bottom just ended up falling out because the defense was tired and they were out there for way too many plays and the offense had the ability to adjust to everything Patrick Graham wanted to do because they saw it so much. When Patrick Graham tried to adjust, it just didn't work. All it takes is one missed tackle here, one, you know, poor execution there. And then it's another touchdown on the board. And now you're down by, you know, 10, and then you're down by 17. And it just kind of keeps piling on and piling on. And that's just kind of the story of this Giants defense all season. You know, they're not a bad unit, but they look really bad on paper because our offense puts them in such crappy situations all the time.
2: Yeah. You know that we've discussed that pretty much all, all season long. You know, there's been examples of that littered throughout this, tape literally throughout the season, spe- specifically in the second half because the offense has been so much worse in the second half, which is crazy to say because it was so bad in the first half. Um, all right, that's all I have. Anything else that you want to touch on defensively? No, I think we're good. And, you know, we've got two more games in this, Dan. Two uh, two more games of I the Baltimore no, I'm so disappointed that we have to watch film on two more of these games. I'm going to be honest with you. The offense right now has so minimal pieces. And, like, even the pieces that will be here, the skill guys, where you can't even really evaluate them because there's no quarterback. It's crazy, man.
1: It's it sucks, man. It's not, it's not good. You know, I don't know what else to say. It's just not good.
2: Yeah, you guys let us know if you want us to do it any differently. Um, I'm if you want to be honest with us and tell us you're not listening, you know, you don't want to listen to all 22 breakdown of, of these games, we get it. And we can think of other things to do. Maybe we can think of like specific things to look for. If you have something you want us to look for on film, I would say reach out, let us know if there's something, a player you want to spot us to spotlight. We can spend extra time there. I mean, I could imagine you probably don't want to hear too many of these play breakdowns, obviously, from a game like this. So if you got other ideas, let us know. We got two more games of this. I'm looking forward to getting out of this bad boy. And, and just like that, I mean, this isn't such a bad year for the Giants. And more bad news just came in. Breaking news, actually. Uh, sad, it's sad to report. It sucks, man. John Madden actually just passed at 85, which, is, which really sucks, man. Did you see wow. that news? Oh, yeah. no, I didn't. Crazy, Shit, man. Absolutely crazy, man. Oh, so just funny. a rough year all around. He, I think he unexpectedly passed this morning. So tough news, tough, tough Giants season, tough all 22 to get through. But, you know, we're here. We're going to do it. Let us know if there's anything else you want to hear. Otherwise, have a great rest of your week, and we'll talk to you soon. Maybe we'll drop a mailbag or something like that to try to get some spark going for the Big Blue Banter podcast and for the Giants fans. We need a spark. The Giants need a spark. My God. My God. All right, guys, have a good rest of your week.
3: MyPatriotSupply.com